I was mostly just like, all right, I'm trying out these new powerful snowbally cards. Even though like, you know, the games look like there's a lot of stuff happening. They're really placid at the end of the day, man. It's like I played against four color control. Game one, I drew more beans than he did. So I won. Game two, he just got the monarchy on turn three. So he won. And then game three, I drew more <laughs> beans. So I won. And that was it. Like a lot of stuff <laughs> happened in between, but like you could sift it down. Those were the critical junctures. And then it never changed beyond that. If you draw so, more like, cards and play more cards, you win more games. There's some amount of play in that the tools that you use to combat the actual front that you need to compete on, the games just devolve immediately down to whoever establishes one of those engines and protects it wins. And that's it. The games just become this really clear, identifying, overwhelmingly powerful centerpiece that doesn't vary from position to position. You can't trip to find, try and find your engine, or you can't trip to try and find an answer to turn off their engine, and that's it. Anything positional that goes over the top, either you engine harder, so you snowball harder, or you are at parity, in which case it's just a matter of now we have to figure out who's going to be able to win the fight over stopping the other person's engine while we both have an engine going. It's solely about that. Like, there's no other texture to the games, even though, like, a lot of fireworks can look like they happen. It's visually appealing, and I can see that it could trick somebody in being like, oh, this card was so good, or this card was insane. I was like, no, it was just the beanstalk. No, it was just the one ring. No, it was was just the engine that was established from the get-go. I was talking to David Marchese, friend of the cast, uh, a cast pilot, (laughs) and right, right afterwards, we were talking about how, like, beanstalk just changes the paradigm of not only does it, like, split the format in a way where the four color decks have to snowball and snowball in such a way where it's like it becomes the arms race of those snowballs the Yorion four color builds are really attractive because if you're playing a mirror and one of you has Yorion and the other one doesn't person who has more snowballs in their deck a la more one rings more fourth aerolingus the fact that you have Yorion to like flicker your beans or whatever to like keep going that's way better than if you don't have access to that stuff if you can't close the game fast and then you win that arms race but it by moving further into like building up those arms you concede to fast combo because you're you just have more stuff that does stuff as well, opposed to stuff that can stop your opponent. F- Phil, so now, before, now before you go too hard into this, maybe we should start oh, yeah. the cast off. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. We hey, should, uh, yeah. we, hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Phil Blackman, and with me as always, Zach Clark. Zach, how we doing, man? We got to do the uh, the hook, man. I 4 0 with miracles. Zach got a job. Next on Eternal Dirtles. Welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, did you want to say that that part? Because you got the bigger news, actually. You 4-0'd. Yeah, I 4-0'd a local <laughs> with Beanstalk Miracles in, in a way that's not four-color Euro grind pile miracles. Actual, yeah. Uh, actual yeah, it miracles. looked like a miracles list. I checked it out. It's, that's a miracles yeah. list with with uh, with beans. Yeah, I had tried really, really hard to stay away from stuff that like, had crossed over with four-color because I didn't want to become a worse version of that. But what I ended up doing over time, I iterated in paper. I don't 
really like to iterate online. I find that like playing online, every time I try and play online for an extended period of time to test, that's not for a major tournament. Testing now for EW makes sense, right? You yeah. want to get in some reps. But when I, I find when playing a deck like Miracles, where the top of the libraries and, and those zones really matter, dexterity really matters. Yeah. And so if you're not practicing the dexterity, you sort of are still losing some points because you might, I, I've done it even to this day, a decade in where you like fail to reveal your Miracle Terminus, which Moto does for you. Yeah. But if you don't practice doing it yourself, then you just get clipped. I think that's an important aspect of transferring from digital to paper is, is you know, missing those triggers, uh, remembering the top cards of your library, stuff like that. Stuff that you can, you know, you can easily do on uh, in a digital format. You lose something when you move. If you only do that, you lose something when you move into paper. One thing that I'll be doing with testing is, you know, this week uh, I'm going to meet up with a, a friend of mine named Jared who we're going to, like, we literally using metadeck.me, which I know we plugged on the cast before, yeah. which, you know, we're just going to build the gauntlet of the metagame we expect and we're going to jam them in paper with the decks that we want to play we're just going to run our decks through the gauntlet that that may not be necessarily as efficient as moto because you're you know you can't play at midnight or 1am or whatever when you you you're up but you do get the advantage of dexterity purposes like understanding how long everything takes in terms of like fetching and clock management like that stuff really matters particularly if you're playing a long game control deck so i I find that those are are more maybe not like at first glance but those are actually really positive testing experiences where you can actually use the cards in your hand to make sure that you're playing fast enough make sure that your dexterity is on point and make sure that you can do all of that while also playing tight but that is to say yes i played beans in a miracle shell it was essentially Bant Miracles. I splashed, uh, I had a light splash, which I'm still up in the air about, but Prismatic Ending really incentivizes you to be able to go up to four yeah. because the the One Ring exists and other, you know, Haymakers exist. Like Karn is still in the format, right? Sometimes if you're playing against Mono Black Helm, you want to be able to shut off the, the Ley Line of the Void so they can't just combo you with a Beseech. Like there's incidental things where going up to four is really important. And so I think that going up to your fourth color after you've ensured that you have enough color requisites to provide everything else in your deck, you know, Prismatic Ending incentivizes that. And then Beanstalk just, you know, make sure X spells hard mode for your opponent because you can yeah. just max it out and draw a bunch of cards. Yeah, uh, which which comes up a bunch when you're just trading. You know, Phil, I have a question, and I don't want to put him on the spot, but um, did you happen to uh, be on '90s MTG last night? Yeah, all four of my matches are going to be on '90s. Dude, when we they can come out. say it. We can say it, Phil. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's the first time that I've I've done well at a at a local event in a long time. Trying out a bunch of different technology. Ultimately, what I found was that the power creep and the snowballing of new cards is such that the other stuff can't keep up like yeah. i was I, I was a predict gamer for a really long time and the the cards that are only cards that generate raw cards but don't do anything else have been really pushed out by the stuff that draws cards plus does other things whether that's yeah. attack and block whether that's provides you some kind of combo incentive whether it's that plus an additional tutor or threat of some kind the difference between something like predict and beanstalk or ring or whatever is that those cards are engines where predict yeah. is not well that's you know? the thing is like let's just look at it from from a uh, a worst case scenario right on both ends beanstalk and predict are almost the same card in a worst case scenario right in a best case scenario you're drawing three four five times as many cards with beanstalk yes 100 it's a combination of like yes the beanstalk is just like way more powerful than any raw card advantage spell but the other side of it though is that because it's not a one-off and it's exponential it, <laughs> it becomes the battleground on which your opponent has to play if they choose to ignore the beanstalk they'll lose to it yeah. You know, it's it's like if they're not going over the top of it or they're not meeting it at parity with their own engine or using all of their resources to try and turn it off, then it just buries them. It's not only something that generates all of the raw cards. And that's what I mean by it does something plus something else. The second that it, it enters the battlefield,
battlefield and replaces itself, meaning it's the opportunity cost of it is nothing because it replaces itself. It's just yeah. like really, really placid design in my in, in my mind, even though like, you know, I, I just did really well with it and I'm probably going to play it at EU, right? It's just like a long time ago, the only real card that felt this way was Baleful Strix in that when you cast it, if your opponent did anything to interact with it, you were like, this is great. And then if they didn't do anything to interact with it, you were like, this is great. I love drawing cards. I love taking cards out of my opponent's hand for no reason. Yeah, the opportunity yeah. cost of it was so low because it cantripped that all the, the initial investment was all you needed to do. And then the rest of it was whatever, right? Yeah. It's like any amount of interaction with this piece that I have on the table now that has given me the, the card back doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so like every other version of Beanstalk has been like, you know, the three mana, if you control a creature with four or greater or whenever a creature ETBs that has a power, or whatever you draw a card or like maybe ETBs. And if you have a condition met, you replace itself. But those are all at like three mana plus. It's the first time they've ever done it at two mana. And the first time at two mana where it replaces itself as a default. Yeah. No condition needs to be met. No pre- prerequisite. You just slam it on two and then it dictates the play for the rest of the game. It's really, really boring, but it's also really, really powerful. And so I found the, the, the games where it just becomes those arm race games, they're probably fun to watch because stuff happens. But when you play them, they're actually really boring. It just becomes about those engines back and forth. But there is something to be said about positioning against those decks. So in the four color mirrors, it's the arms race. I need more beanstalks. I need more run rings. I just need more stuff. We got to keep up with each other because we're just going to be free rolling back and forth free spells. It, the games either become about who has more of the engine pieces or who has more force of wills. And that's it. Those are the those, those are the, the, the metrics that the game rests upon. Maybe you get at, at some point in deep in the game, if somebody has an engine, you can, you know, jam through a fourth for lethal if that are at a relatively low life total. But like, that's a negligible portion of games. You either are in that arms race and then you're going to concede some amount of like equity to fast combo. And you're trying to thread the needle of how much do you want to be able to beat Urza Saga and fast combo versus how much do you want to be able to keep up with the arms race and the four color control mirrors. That's where the, the avenue splits. What I decided to do was because I hate Uro and I hate tap out you know, expensive cards. So I hated playing four color when I tried it. So I took the cheap part and the good part of those four color decks, which is Beanstalk. And then I just took the, all of the technology that I've been working on for however long in Miracles, which is just a bunch of Mystic Sanctuaries and Thwarts. And turns out that when you Mystic Sanctuary, your force will back to the top after it's already replaced itself. And then it just continues to replace itself. Now you have this ongoing engine that can never happen. Yeah. And everybody was always like, well, you have to play Yorion 80 card because the threat of decking yourself in those types of games with Beanstalk, because it's not a May, is really the likelihood. You can deck. For the longest time, I've always been like, man, if I could just remove all of my win conditions, because my inherent win condition <laughs> is that I can't deck because I have Thwart Mystic Sanctuary, then that's great. So I inherently solved that problem that never really comes up anyway, because the games are so fast. But I, I'm, I've just taken the Mystic Sanctuary technology that I've been working on ever since it first came out, and just applying it to these new snowball engines. Yeah, here you go. New miracles. Worth, worth putting into perspective with this particular situation, Phil, is this means something. You're on this deck constantly. You have played this deck inside and out like a thousand different ways right and we're in the group text together with with Nate and you know it gets disheartening for me when like you chime in on like you know like at nine o'clock on a, on a Monday after the thing and you're like I'm I'm and three fuck this format you know like seeing a situation where you took you basically took the lessons you learned over the past few months and were and was like all right I'll buy in and see what happens and you took this deck and you you've been working with it forever and you put you pull a 4-0 out and it's not like it's it's like a, oh well like i got there with this 4-0 you have been engineering this the entire time to get to this point and that to me like we have the deck list we'll give a quick shout out to moxfield eternal dirtles is proud to be sponsored by moxfield moxfield is the best magic the gathering deck building website on the internet you can create share and find decks from commander to legacy and even fan supported formats like Pre-modern and old school. You can see all of our decks 
on our Mox field. Follow the links below to stay tuned. You know, you've you've created the you've been working on this list. You're literally the only person working in miracles that I that I know of at, at this time. And you pull a 4-0 like that. If you pour a pull a 4-0 at EU, you can expect to win the next three or four rounds too, I think. I I've been really down on the format because the of the new cards and because of those the, the snowballing effects that the games aren't at least in those types of mirror matches where it becomes the snowball arms race. Those games were never in like they've never been interesting. I've never found them compelling because they always it, it really just becomes down to what I had mentioned before it's it's the engines versus forcibles like there's some amount of play versus the other matchups it obviously it feels good to like win some games for the first time yeah. in however many years right <laughs> like it's definitely not a bad feeling to win but it, it doesn't mean that i think that it's necessarily in a healthy place you know what i mean yeah like, i mean they're, they're, you they're, can they're, you can have fun in the format and not think that the format is going in the correct direction you know like you can yeah, win like, and also think that too for sure if somebody were to be like phil do you think the format is healthy i would say no and i i say that because i think that like it revolves around well that's like, that's really more of a state un- of the game health than it is it, a totally. format right the game pieces that the matchups revolve around as the pillars of the format and legacy right now i think personally are not healthy and uh, are un- mostly uninteresting but if we just we default to yes the pillars of the format are beanstalk urza saga dark ritual okay let's get over that hurdle because that's the world we live in cool then from that point you know how do we actually find the positioning within that and what i found was the four color decks i feel like are clunky messes the reason for that is i can't tell you what the deck is trying to do other than slam cards and hope that they're good it's classic like tap out control which we you know it's been around since like 2005 right but it's tap out control in such a way where i go what is the deck trying to do in the blind other than hope that its cards line up properly yeah if you were to open your top 12 against your opponent it's top 12 well explain to me how that's how that's different than miracles because i think that uh, i mean if you were to if you were to say that in the blind i would say i'd say you're just explaining miracles beanstalk is the legacy power level thing to do therefore i want terminus therefore i want mystic sanctuary okay that's it you have your structure right so i was playing 12 cantrips i was playing brainstorm ponder and all the full set the full suite of portent portent is obviously good to to turn on your miracles like that's been the case ever since top got banned but the other part of it is like you want to be able to find your beans more routinely on turn two like you want to slam your beans on turn two and then from that point, it's just exchange with your opponent because beans will bury them. So like, that's the whole game plan. Are we talking about aggressively mulliganing to beans? If you have a reasonable hand with a cantrip, like let's say you can get through your development, your your lands in your development, and you know you have like maybe a removal spell or a force or something that you're you're relatively safe in the blind to think, okay, I'm not going to die. Your plan can still go, okay, turn one, I'm going to cantrip. I either find the beanstalk or I find another cantrip to be able to go like, okay, prismatic ending or swords on turn two plus cantrip to try and find the beans to then keep going. Ideally, you want to get beanstalk as fast as possible to the point where I was like, I remember, you know, when we talk about pre-modern and there's been, at least in, in my conversations of pre-modern, ever since Lantax got banned, Argothian Enchantress is still a really powerful draw engine in that format. And there's this uh, always been this back and forth of like, do you play Worldly Tutor at the end of your opponent's turn so you can get your Argothian Enchantress and then slam it on turn two? And there's the argument, it's like, okay, well, if you have eight Argothian Enchantresses in your deck and that's your engine and you expect to convert, you know, three plus cards off that engine, then is mulliganing for it via the Worldly Tutor an effective trade-off to ensure that you have a consistency of hitting it on turn two every time yeah. because if you have eight copies in your deck your the, the math is like 80 some odd percent to open it right yeah so the argument of being like is this engine powerful enough that i would in you know would vacuum you lose cards for, for it? it yeah i think yeah i think that's so, the important thing is is we know we're drawing the cards right so if we're we know we're drawing the cards and we can reliably slam it on turn two it's worth one or two cards to make sure we get that card right i went very basic in my build i didn't try and do anything fancy because i was just like i'm gonna see how beanstalk goes in my classic shell with what i have which i know is good and then see 
where that plays. You know, it was obviously like super busted and overpowered and stupid. And I think that if you could play six to eight beanstalks in your beanstalk focus deck, you would. The the Yorion builds are playing the one ring right now. They're playing, I think, like three copies probably. Maybe they're over the four at some point. But I've seen three copies pretty consistently. And in my mind, if those three rings could just be beanstalks five through seven, they 100% would be. So if you were to look at my Moxfield deck list, there are certain things that I made that I, I was like conscious about. Like, here's how these matchups line up and why I think that the four color Yorion decks, like they're on Leyline binding and all of this stuff because they want to make beans more powerful, but they're not doing anything to can, to reliably get themselves the beans on turn two or turn three because they're in 80 cards they're on eight cantrips beyond the beanstalks was cantrip but like you if that if you found it great but like in order to find it you're on 80 cards and eight cantrips like that's not going to get you there in a, yeah. in a consistent way that's what i mean by and so they're playing one rings to, to compensate but i feel like it, it's just folding into this arms race without actually having a focused direction for what your deck wants to do and then there's exploitable weaknesses that are pretty obvious within that within the shell so four color they're playing leyline binding and you know the difference between leyline binding and prismatic ending several mana <laughs> the, the advantages of leyline binding is that it's one mana an for any spell. permanent yeah. at instant speed for yeah, yeah. any non-land permanent at instant speed. But the difference is it leaves an enchantment on the table that can get blown up. Yeah. And if you remove anything that has any amount of value, you just get fucked, dude. Yeah. I was playing a, a really greedy mana base because I wanted to, I, I was already in Bant and I didn't want to play any planes because I'm a Mystic Sanctuary deck. And every time you've ever played a planes with your Mystic Sanctuary, you just turn yourself off a whole turn cycle and yeah. just stay in it. You just don't want to be there. The, the format's way too fast for, to, to, yeah. to miss, essentially. Yeah, you play the planes so they can't waste and, you. And but your you, land comes to play tapped as well. Like, come on. If you if you play uh, like a Triome or something, but if you yeah. play a basic planes, then it's like, okay, that is effectively like I have wastelanded myself. Yeah. In, ter- in in regards to Mystic Sanctuary, because if they cut you off getting to your fourth land drop for your Mystic Sanctuary through a wasteland, it's the same thing if you were to play a basic planes. That Mystic Sanctuary is still off the table until a full turn cycle later. So it's like, yeah. yes, your development for your you know removal spells is maybe safe, but like I think the format is too fast, and you know there there are too many snowball effects that let you recoup that card that that land drop that you unless you're being locked out in some way of like some strip lock then the the trade-off is too steep to play a basic planes so i didn't play any basic planes i was on mono islands all the way across the board what i played in the sideboard was a pair of force of vigors to deal with blood moon effects yeah i'm just like okay I already have a bunch of green cards in my deck now because Beanstalk incentivizes you really to move much further into green. And I was like, okay, I'm going to play Force of Vigor as my nod to Blood Moon. The thing is, is that that also means that your way, you, you have another Haymaker against the Urza Saga decks and you have another Haymaker against that you bring in against opposing Bean decks because you can't, it sucks to trade with Beans at, uh, on a one-for-one basis because they recoup a card. But if you catch a Beans and a Leyline Binding or multiple Leyline Bindings, the game's fucking over. Wait, a quick time, a quick time out just for anybody watching this not on like the day that it comes out uh you know maybe you're watching this a couple months from now i have uh the way phil makes his decks on moxfield is there's live he live updates uh his deck so definitely go down and follow follow phil on on uh moxfield and check out the check out the deck as it is today but also on eternal dirtles i took this deck and duplicated it so it is as a moment in time you can actually look at this particular deck as well so if you're not seeing it on phil on phil's you're going to definitely be able to see it on the eternal dirtles account so we, we got a better idea that way you can get, follow along with us here but phil one of the cards that i found fascinating that you were playing was cosmic rebirth yeah Cosmic Rebirth, there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is having incidental life gain somewhere in your deck is really powerful when it's recursive. Especially, so, yeah, recursive. Yeah, that's a big that's a big thing. Mystic Sanctuary being able to pick up a, a Cosmic Rebirth, and it's also it, it, Cosmic Rebirth does incidentally a couple of things. Is it a, a lock to have to be in the deck? Not at all. But is it good? I would say it's good if the incentive to be in green is strong enough, and the incentive is Beanstalk. 
right? The deck is a beanstalk yeah. deck, so you're already in green, so it's it's negligible. What I like about it is that it's instant speed. So on turn three, you can hold up your mana for your removal, your counter magic, whatever it may be, and you can instant speed back a fetch, and now you're at Mystic Sanctuary. And that's and you've that's basically really ramped. Deal. Right? Like, that's what I mean. Yeah. It, it gets you a turn ahead. It essentially doing a, an Uro impression at instant speed in that spot is valuable in A, you have an engine going off your beanstalk and you're more likely to hit your land drops and be able to deploy more spells to two spell more aggressively anyway. And two, because the end game of your deck is Entreat the Angels and being able to get into we want Entreat more range. Land. Yeah. And the critical target for Entreat is X equals three, because that's a five mana spell for your beanstalk. Yeah. And so your 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 Entreat not only makes three angels, but cantrips. It and also means the, that you're pretty much guaranteed a two-turn clock at that point, which is the which is the defining factor, right? Yeah, I find that the, the clock is usually less relevant because they sort of fold to the engine before yeah, they fold to the course. clock. Because before that would have been the case in, you know, Miracles of old where you are you're you're trying to convert your card advantage in a way where there isn't that much card advantage in the yeah. format you know and so it was you're the leveraging. number you, you wanted you like felt the least bad about doing as far as low low numbers were concerned like ideally five right like ideally you're like you have one turn to live yeah four, four felt okay especially in a fe- like a fetch land economy but three was kind of where you wanted to be to be able to hold up mana and and know that like it doesn't change the amount of turns between four between a four and, and a three and then a two is almost always going to be uh, be that extra turn for anybody who has an interest in, in control at least this style of control and i get we do a lot of episodes on miracles so you know sorry for the people who aren't interested the the trajectory of the deck since Myst- mystic sanctuary is easily the most impactful printing for miracles since ba- tops ban without a doubt it's, yeah. Myst- mystic sanctuary is the card and what the deck was initially when mystic sanctuary came out we uh, I, at least i did i leaned harder into entreat the angels you know just trying to essentially machine gun entreat the angels yeah. right uh, we're, we're entreat mystic sanctuary for entreat mystic sanctuary entreat it just goes over the top of everything else in the format the first one you know you exit for three or x for four they trade all of the removal spells in game one for your one entreat you put it back on top and you bury them game two that removal is usually ha- has come out at that point a single entreat that is uh, fought over and one gets there and if it doesn't you just recur it with mystic sanctuary anyway yeah. then once uh, the format like sped up exponentially more people were on like teferi time ravelers and stuff as like a mainstay in pretty much every deck and then miracling essentially was a liability because they had a static effect that turned that off you're still very weak to teferi time raveler like that hasn't changed at all yeah. but like the fact that you have an engine so you can more aggressively force it you recoup the cards so you're not totally behind all the time. Not anyway, to mention like you're engine- more reliably at, at X uh, at X equals three for your uh, prismatic ending too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, prismatic ending be- becomes a, a, a bigger player in that in that space. But like, we'll we'll talk about how Beanstalk has changed the paradigm entirely uh, in a second. So it, when Mystic Sanctuary first came out, it was Mystic Foreign Treat Machine Gunner. Then. Once the format sped up and Miracling was a liability, I moved back over to Jace the Mind Sculptor because then once you were back on... And Jace Jace is my like sole win condition because once you move over and you're like, okay, Mystic Sanctuary is the most... is the Terminus is the powerful thing to do uh, and therefore we want Mystic Sanctuary and therefore we want Thwart. And like that became the shell where Mystic Sanctuary became the pinnacle piece that tied the room together. That's where like, okay, if you can Jace Thwart, pick up three islands to protect it, and now you can brainstorm and now you have all this fodder for your brainstorm and the Jace and now you can just protect the Jace because you have all this fodder to protect the Jace on the table and you're still playing your Terminuses and your Terminus keep the board clear. Your Jace ensures that like you're, you're constantly going to be up on uh, the perfect cards in hand to be able to deal with whatever the situation is. And then you can also close the, the door with your portents and your Jace's fate sealing them. That's where the deck have like shifted to after Miracle 
circling became a liability uh, as an end game because it was too Teferi and a bunch of other things. The format got too fast. Then I tried a bunch of things. I moved back over to counterbalance because I was like, the format is sped up. It's a little bit lower to the ground. People pick back, Delver back up. And, and, and it works with the Mystic Sanctuary, you know? Yes. I mean, obviously counterbalance the Mystic Sanctuary is a shell in itself. It requires that your opponent has to have agreed when they sat down at the table that their CMC value is going to be similar to what your deck is built around. Exactly. Which means that you're extremely polarizing, right? Like in a world of Spoiler Delver, alert. in a world of Delver, <laughs> counterbalance is the fucking jam. And counterbalance still is like a one or two of in most Delver boards for the mirror and for combo, right? Like you are, you are likely to see counterbalance in some numbers still to this deck in those kinds of decks. If and you're I was playing, playing them. You. <laughs> well, if you play against, if you play against Delver, yeah. you're going to see one or two of in a, in a, in a wide variety of, of shells. Oh, okay. Not every pilot's going to have it. You know, counterbalance isn't the easiest card to play around, play with, but there's enough manipulation in that deck, especially when you're, at, you're playing a mirror and you know that you're at the same similar CMC values where it's like, if you can just have this lock piece on the table, then your it's, opponent has to like dance around it. It's actually doing kind of a, a negative version of Beanstalk in a Delver deck, right? Like it's the, it's the, it's the same, but different. So counterbalance is really good when your opponent doesn't have an engine. So in the form, in, in the worlds where there were, there were no engines or the engine is easily shucked off by counterbalance being on the table, looking at you expressive iteration that you know, okay, it's not as it's not as difficult to, to to stop your opponents. So then 40k comes out. Yeah. St. Catherine changes the paradigm again. So now we have Mystic Sanctuary changed miracles. Triumph of St. Catherine changes the miracles because a, Triumph came out when Expressive Iteration was still in the format and Blue Red Delver was everywhere. Blue Red Delver was the deck. I, I was the 4X Triumph of St. Catherine gamer. I made, I think, my, my best parody based on that card. If you had told me that I could go into any event when Blue Red Delver with Expressive Iteration was top dog, and just play against it 15 rounds in a row with my 4S, 4X Triumph of St. Catherine uh, in the main, I would have slammed it immediately. I would have said, yes, please, give me that matchup. Because it was Triumph was such a haymaker that it just blew that matchup out. It didn't matter how many cards you drew. You weren't dealing with this fucking Baneslayer Angel. But then Lord of the Rings comes out. All these all these black cards move, move Delver and all these other decks into Grief and, and Bowmasters and, and Troll of Kazatum. And that's even before we get to the space where Snuff Out was being played as a way to deal with opposing Murktide. So so now that expressive iteration is banned and players are, you know, free have these free slots to expand other expand their their suites, those suites end up being really good against Triumph. And Triumph is no longer the 10 value haymaker yeah. that it was. And so I moved to Triumph to the board for a really long time. And then I was like, okay. Miracles is dead. There's just nothing to keep up with this stuff. Like, I, I need a new printing. I need something that can keep up with these cards. And now we have Beanstalk. You know, Beanstalk, it, it's not the hero I wanted, but it seems to be the hero <laughs> the, the hero we got. Beanstalk's over the corner like, I am vengeance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, I feel invigorated that there is space for the kind of miracles that I like to play to exist again. Yeah. But I really hate that it's on the backbone of this card that is... <sighs> It's just every game becomes about it. Well, take your way... wins and you hush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get, I get. There's, there's back and forth. But it's here's the thing, man. If I'm representative of of any of the anybody else who has has been sort of soured on on legacy. And I, I still don't think the format's in a healthy place. I don't know if it's ever going to go back to a, a healthy place in in my view of what it, of a time where it wasn't just these commander product snowballs or these power creep snowballs. You know, I have always enjoyed positional gameplay, and I find that that is much less so when these engines are so yeah. effective and so cheap. And the games that just become about those engines are way less interesting. Oh, we were talking about Cosmic Rebirth, so that was the trajectory of Miracles. We'll talk about Beanstalk in a second. So Cosmic Rebirth in particular, I have it because it's main deck incidental life game. If you play a Beanstalk, it was it is correct for your opponent to fight over it. If I cast the Beanstalk on two, or if your opponent casts a Beanstalk on two, if you don't have an immediate follow-up removal spell, 
to go down a card knowing that maybe you can recoup the card with your own engine in a in a later turn yeah if you don't have it immediately then you are correct to fight over it and if you're correct to fight over it then i want more copies of it yeah so and that's where the cosmic rebirth comes into co- play. cosmic rebirth can pick that up the other side of it is i was playing two main deck dress down dress down going away dress down the other pillar in the format in my view urza saga i think that like you have to have some amount of of have to respect urza saga like as a as a baseline yeah like you you can't you can't be blind to urza saga terminus is not necessarily uh reliable as a way to solve a turn uh, play against a turn one like if if you and i are playing against each other right you're the a cast guy and you go you go saga on one it is unreliable that i'm gonna have a terminus in time before i get chunked for nine yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get hit a couple times, uh, probably, and possibly and then, lose the game if you if you can't set it up quick enough. If I can't set it up quick enough, and then even if I do, if you just force it, and I don't have a a, a way to to fight back, I just die right there, right yeah. from your from your turn one play that cost you uh, that was uncounterable. So yeah. it's like you you have to respect or yeah, you see a little bit more a little bit more ways to stop to stop that from becoming a thing that you lose to. Yeah. I, I was playing two dress downs. Dress down obviously goes away by itself. So cosmic rebirth represents with Mystic Sanctuary and Thwart an infinite number of dress downs. Yeah. So so there's value in that. Also post board, I have the counterbalance package because as we had mentioned before, counterbalance is a ten two card similar to where Triumph is. Triumph was also in my board, and you have a, a certain number of threes. I was playing two force of negation. The, the, the reason why I really love counterbalance and, and building around it is figuring out mana value spreads in the matchups that you wanted against as a metagame shifts. Yeah. And so if you look at my main deck, I'm not on a lot of two. I'm on seven main deck twos, right? I'm on four Beanstalk, two Dressdown, one Life from the Loam. And the Life from the Loam is just a nod because my mana base is fucking trash. So, but <laughs> post-board, if you move, if you know that you're going to bring in your counterbalances and then any number of the twos that are in the board given the matchup like if i'm bringing in if i'm bringing counterbalance in against combo then i'm gonna also want like the no rod i'm gonna want you know maybe the sabo's web depending if the, like they're they have like some kind of crocus loop or something like that so depending on the other twos you bring in and now you're way more dense at two post board with your counterbalances because your counterbalances represent two themselves the other side is that with if you have let's say you go turn two counterbalance untap holding up can- cosmic rebirth uh cosmic rebirth represents a mystic sanctuary if with a fetch in your yard yeah and what that means is that not not only does it represent a Mystic Sanctuary uh, on on three mana for any card in your graveyard, it also de facto represents a three because the Cosmic Rebirth will have resolved. Been in your yard, you can fetch Mystic Sanctuary, put it back on top, counter three drop. That is three mana for three mana. It's a three mana trade, but you do go up the land in the exchange. So now you're already on Mystic Sanctuary, in which case you should be in position with that uh, Cosmic Rebirth coming off the top, representing that same fetch that you just had, representing another Mystic Sanctuary, in which case the loop continues. And six and life. So, and six life. <laughs> yeah. So there's enough incidental stuff with Cosmic Rebirth that it's doing that the if they give me better incidental life gain on an instant or sorcery in the future that does something more than what Cosmic Rebirth does, you know, I'm not married to Cosmic Rebirth. It's just filling a very, very, very specific yeah, thing. It's got a niche. I want somewhere in my 75 that's not Triumph of St. Catherine to have incidental life gain. You know, Triumph of St. Catherine's a plan. Like yeah. when they, when you board that in, you're like, this is the thing that's, you know, they should have a problem dealing with I'm this. on this, yeah. And if they if they don't have a problem dealing with Triumph, I don't board it in. What what, decks, creature matchup, what decks right now have a have a problem with Triumph though? Delver. Delver. Just yeah, Grixis. just like well, Grixis do you think Grixis is the deck? I can Grixis see Delver. I can see Team or Delver really having a problem with it because I can't Yes. At, at, back in the day I could not remove a five five from the board. That was a problem. The, uh but Grixis is I guess not playing as many snuff out situations or uh you know, they've got out, they've got Fatal Push, but that's obviously not gonna do it. It, it doesn't work, yeah. yeah. So Snuff Out has fallen out of favor, but I'll say the, the 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 reason for Triumph coming in and being very good against Delver is a couple of reasons. A, Delver ducks care about your life total. Yeah. As a baseline, they care about life total. B, they're not a source to pot share. 
Raiders deck. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not boarding. Thing. I'm not boarding triumphant in against any source to plowshare deck. I guess if yeah, you're, snuff if, it out. I'll just get it back. Right. Yeah. If you're initiative, if you're D and T, if you're four color, I, I'm not boarding triumphant against you. Yeah. Unless unless you show absolutely no respect at all and have boarded out all your removal, I'm not boarding it in. But I do want it against a couple of things. So I want it against Delver variants or anything that cares about life total. And then the other thing that I wanted it against decks where you're going to be on a lower resource game. So same thing. If Delver is going to wasteland you, I don't want to be on, on entreat that needs a, a developed base. I can miracle for two. But the other thing I, that I want it for is fast combo. I'm happy to board out my uh, entreat the angels for my triumph because now I have a five, five life linker. That's good against, uh, that is going to make you build up your storm count. Yeah. Like you're going to need a higher storm count and it's reliable to like get in a clock on two, as opposed to having to wait to develop and then hit an entreat because yes, you can one shot and treat, but if you have to tap out to do it, it's, you know, not necessarily safe. Yeah. I uh, suppose, I suppose like your turn one play brainstorm or ponder important, whatever turn two. I, well, I guess it's turn three would be would be triumph and then just be like okay well you're on storm i'm gonna have interaction and i'll play this you know this two drop that just basically adds two to storm every turn yeah it essentially says when you're when you're thinking about like you know what your threats are and i imagine that it's it's similar for you know when you're navigating how to board with acast when you're thinking like what are the actual potent threats like how does the matchup actually line up if you're playing, you know, four color ish control deck versus combo, you know what cards are going to like. Yeah. You can't tap out for something that's not either at instant speed or doing something that like relevantly disrupts them yeah. in some meaningful way. If you tapped out for Minsk in your four color deck against combo, that was probably bad because they'll be like, great, I take four, I untap and kill you. Yeah. Where it's like, if you play the ring, it's like, okay, I have protection. They can't kill me unless they have some kind of obscure cardboard, sideboard card that I can't play around. I will at least get to untap having the ancestral. Now I can hold up my resources and I'm just going to bury them under card. That's where the paradigm shifts. And that's why the like Minsk has fallen off the face of the earth in place of one ring, because one ring can actually like save yourself when you're tapped out. And the impetus to be able to fight over opposing planeswalkers is been nullified to an extent because you have leyline bindings. So for, from from that perspective, they have shifted their 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 game a little bit in order to like hedge that sort of thing. And that's what I mean. You have to be in the arms race anyway, not to lose the thread here. Yeah. So what is the how does this matchup actually play out? It's like I'm never gonna if if I develop to the point where I have an entreat against the combo deck, I've won that game. So I'd rather just like have the cheaper effect that can kill them because killing them is very rarely when you're playing control against combo, do you win because you killed the combo deck? You won because you stopped the combo deck. Yeah. Right? That's how it's usually how it goes. And that's why it's like, you know, on, on your end, it, it's like Delver matchups. Delver players will board out their Murktides against combo. Yeah. Murktide's too I slow. Would. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's too sure. slow. You, you're like, I'm going to play a one drop. You're not going to remove it. And then we just fight over the thing until this thing gets you dead. That's that, that's how you, and it's, just, it's the same thing, right? Like you just have to know, know how to line up choices. So, you know, long-winded way to get around cosmic rebirth and now trying to extend catherine the board counterbalance the board uh the other card that i think is uh people are sleeping on is the way that the format has shifted in its entirety because of these new snowballs right so in the way where beanstalk changes the paradigm the games become about who has the engine and then the other the other side of that coin is who has more force effects to fight over that engine yeah i agree gone are gone are the days of being able to hold up mana for counter magic. You don't have time. There is no time for spell pierce. There is no time for any any counter magic that costs mana. 
There is no time. You do not have the luxury of time. It's The format's way too fast. You will see more and more lists as they come out in challenges and whatnot. Four Force of Will main deck, some amount of Force of Negation main deck, and then probably the third or fourth Force of Negation in the board. Across every deck that can play Force of Wills, whether it's Four Color Yorion, whether it's Acast, you're just going to see a whole shitload of Forces. It's not just it's for Yorion like, piles anymore. Six, six, it, six plus uh, Force effects. Six plus Force effects. Besiege also has changed the, the metric yeah. where like fast combo decks can also go off on way lower resources resources now and a lot of those combat decks also have urza saga so if you are compelled to use your mana to not die to nine nines yeah. that are uncounterable then you can't spend your mana shot and porting yourself hoping that they walk into a pierce yeah. right it just, that's that, that world is long gone you can throw those cards away they're not coming back unless something you know somehow wildly changes the <laughs> paradigm and again and saga gets banned and beanstalk goes and all this stuff shifts again yeah. like get rid of that stuff with all that stuff goes a lot of the cards that would usually be good with that stuff so like if you're playing fluster I mean, I was a high. I was high on Fluster Snapcaster for a for a while. I was like, "This is sweet." Against expressive iteration, nothing feels better than when they go expressive iteration because they want to hit their land drop that they didn't play their land drop yet, and then you fluster, and they're like, "Oh, well, this feels awkward. Play my land afterwards." And you're like, "Yeah, gotcha, idiot." And then you're like, "All right, next turn, play another expressive." And you're like, "Yes, not fluster that, you idiot. Like you're dumb." And then if they're like, "All right, Mystic Sanctuary, this thing back," and it's like, "Sweet, dude, predict that off the top. Like you're a clown. Like this, 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 this these things feel good, right?" <laughs> yeah. But gone, gone are those days, Zach. They gone. are. The, yeah. But like. Also, if you want to play Fluster, that's all well and good, but Besiege has made people move into stuff that you can't Fluster. You have to be able to fight over Carpet of Flowers, and Carpet of Flowers is going to be everywhere in the Besiege decks. And if they play a Carpet of Flowers, and you're looking at that Fluster Storm in your hand, and then they're like, all right. Well, uh, 15 mana. Carpet, make a bunch of mana. Beseech my carpet that you know for free off of the of, of the carpet mana, and you're like, all right, well, I guess I could fluster, and they can just pay for all the copies because I couldn't fight over yeah. the carpet of flowers. And now we're just you're you're on the wrong axis, you're yeah. on the wrong axis, and then your opponents in your four color mirrors, you're, you're going to bring fluster in. You think pyroblast is good in this format? No, get your pyroblast out of your sideboard. Those things suck now. The, the the stuff is way too wide. Pyroblast, you can't bring it against any reasonable combo deck. If you do, they're prepared to fight over it because they have a bunch of silence effects in their shit. Veil is going to blow you out. Get that. Get this stuff out of here you can't you can't be doing that anymore the reason that veil of summer still gets played is because you can proactively use it as a silence yeah or you can catch your opponent like you can protect your opponent from being able to tendrils kill you like it has and it cantrips fucking cantrips <laughs> like it has it has not only this utility against everything else in the format but it also cantrips and you can use it proactively it's so like it a make, one to, mana abeyance that 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 is maybe the one the one that gets the nod in in your not combo deck because it has all of these other utilities yeah. okay my if, if you're playing it and your opponent has a chalice on whatever and you it's not one you can like play your stuff through your through the chalice it has so much more utility beyond just the counter spell your pierce does not anymore your spell snares or whatever get it out that being said free counter magic is a premium and i think people are sleeping on mind break trap and there's two reasons for that okay two reasons for mind break trap i think being in decks beyond just the decks that don't have counter magic one incidentally need to have a higher volume of ways to deal with storm sure they got a they got a tool that brought their Hard resources agree. way down, yeah. right? They, like if they, if they have a tool that means they can go off on lower resources, then you need to have more tools that can stop it at lower resources. The, if the, if we're going to keep getting these more and more powerful tools, if we're going to keep inching closer and closer to vintage power level, then you have to like start fighting on the same axes and you can't be relying on thinking you're going to get some amount of development in. You're not. The second thing is Mind Break Trap in the control mirrors that go really long. Guess what? If the if the world becomes about who has more engines and then who has more force of wills to stop those engines, then you know what's really powerful? Just more counter magic, more of it. 
Yeah. You just need more. And it's really powerful in uh, when your opponent can go like fourth plus Mystic Sanctuary and fourth again to exile. And then if you ever get into a counter war deep into the game and then blow somebody out, it feels great. The other thing to be said about Mindbreak Trap in this instance, what we were talking about before of how the format has split four color in the in the arms race against itself versus uh, how much it's willing to concede to fast combo in Urza Saga decks, right? Like that's the, that is the, in my view, that is the definitive split of the format right now. You're either bow mastering somewhere in the in the middle of the space, in which case you're you're, you're doing a bunch of incidental value things yeah. Hello, DNT players and whatnot, right? Sure. You're doing the you're doing you're doing the Delver space where you're on like Bowmasters and then your Days Wasteland shell as per usual. And also, I want to point out that when we were talking about Infect with Frienders Cloud, and we're like, yeah, Legolas's quick reflexes yeah. is gonna like overhaul Infect, and that's gonna be sweet. And I would argue that Infect, as we've talked about before, indistinguishable from a combo, right? Yeah, yes, of it's course. an aggro deck. One hundred percent. Yes, it's an of course, of yeah. course, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. Zach says, of course. <laughs> you know what else is fucking Delver? Delver, in my view, is indistinguishable from combo, similar to Infect now. Now. Days because okay. for, this is why I'll, 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 I'll argue the point. Please elaborate. The same way that your like infect goes cheap threat days in order to kill right, and then plays some amount of destruction in force will in days. Mm-hmm. So does Delver, but because it has Merktide, Merktide is a one turn clock, so you can play a disruption game, cast a Merktide, and kill in a shot, and that makes it, in my view, indistinguishable from combo in terms of how you can navigate a game. Now, granted, they their combo is disrupted by removal spells, and that might yes. make it feel different. Yeah. But in terms of actually how the games play out and what matters, it's indistinguishable. If, if if we're in those spaces, you have Orcus Bowmaster ho- hovering somewhere in the middle. And Orcus Bowmaster is also means that it's paired with Wasteland. So you're some kind of Orcus Bowmaster disruptive shell. Or you're in like the more combo-centric area of like, okay, we're on some form of Beseech deck, whether that's Storm Combo, Mono Black Helm, whatever it is. It effectively means I'm on either Veil of Summer or Discard Spells plus Beseech to kill you. Great. Sure. Choose, choose whatever you want on the back end of the Beseech to kill, whether it's Gaia's Will or a Helm. Cool. Are you a more mid-rangey uh, Dark Ritual player or are you a more stack-based ritual pl- Dark sure. Ritual player? You're a Dark Ritual player. Those are hovering so- somewhere in, in, in the, the spectrum here. But then otherwise you have like the fast side, which is actually the Dark Ritual fast combo. And then you have the hard, like deep side of four color control. If that's what matters, then it means that it's engine-based and force of wills are the things that matter. That means we're in the space where more force of will and free effects matter, then mind break trap stock goes way up. Yeah, there's the there's the bridge. There's the bridge. There's the bridge. <laughs> Crossover against like other combo shells or, you know, other things where like having an exile effect is really important. Like in the snowball games where the games go long because you're just fighting over engines and both players have a bajillion cards. Yeah, it's going to feel really good when, the, you know, if we both board in all of our forces because we have to because we have to fight over all these engines, then it's like, okay, if I have six to eight force of will effects and then I also have uh, a mind break trap or two and then I also have force of vigor and I can keep tapping out for all of my engines and I can fu- I have more forces than you, I have won the arms race. When you pair it all down, that's the arms race. It just so happens that mind break, mind break trap gets to bridge the gap between both of the like wide fast combo versus the the control uh, style decks yeah the four color arms races those are the reasons for my current choices there's still stuff up in the air but like all of the the shells that i look at right now either they they feel unfocused or they feel as though they don't have a, a quite as firm of a grasp in their card choices of what at least i think the format is right now bowmaster wasteland urza saga dark ritual and then the arms race of, of four color plus control yeah well i mean 
I think that I think that kind of does it for for the points we wanted to make. I think the real proof in the pudding uh, moment will be how you how you pull off next week. Now that people have yeah. seen this, uh, will you be able to uh, just continue snowballing them? I mean, no one's surprised, it, right? It, no it, one sits it, down against you and is like, "Oh, you're playing miracles." I had no idea. The TLDR of this episode isn't necessarily like the you know metagame breakdown or what I think of the metagame. Like, I'm just one dude. I you know it's my perspective through a very specific lens. Like, you know, grain of salt everything I say. But I think that the the one thing to think about is if you are on a deck in particular, know know what pillar you fall into and then know how that pillar is supposed to line up against everything else to inform your sideboard choices. Okay, I'm a painter deck and therefore I want these tools against these things or I'm an eight cast deck and therefore I want these tools against these things. Thinking back to when Fenris was on the cast and I remember he was talking about his old sideboard that was 15 one-ups and we loved the idea of 15 one-ups. Yeah. And I don't think that we are in in a world where 15 one-ofs is ever going to make sense anymore because the format is so fast. And when I say fast, I mean like literally Dark Ritual Beseech kills you or an engine buries you and so you are effectively dead before you get your feet under you. Well, Phil, I think Those also things... it's, it's it's not just that it's fast, it's also homogenized. Yes. That's the... why it's like no, fi- no 15 one-ofs. Like the, you have to, you you have specific decks you have to answer. When when we were rocking 15 one-ofs, it was because the metagame was kind of wide open. In, in the last year, with the printing of Lord of the Rings and and how it pairs with Modern Horizons, Legacy has taken a significant shift towards what I would imagine players that who play vintage view the format through, which is when you're looking at the format, there are very clearly distinct pillars. Yeah, there are like three or just, four decks. That are far away and better than everything else, right? Like you need to be prepared for shops. You need to be prepared for bazaar. You probably need to be prepared for some amount of PO fast stack combo, maybe Tinker. Yeah. And then and then you have uh, like big blue or blue, like, you know, blue, blue. And then, and then you have zero. some amount of blue control, right? Yeah. And then and then maybe you could argue at this point that like uh, initiative is somewhere in that space as sure. well. What that means though is in your board you're like okay I have I'm six to eight graveyard effects for bazaar. I'm X number of hate pieces for missions workshop. That that's it. And hopefully right? some like, of that stuff overlaps, right? Like that's and hopefully yeah. some of it overlaps. But like, that's it, right? Like so you look at sideboards and you're like, yep, uh, four of this, three of this, three of this. That that's your whole sideboard. I think we're in a space that's way closer to that than we are to being like, is this gonna line up well? Does this work? It's like you need broad strokes and your broad strokes have to, to cross over and knowing what those pillars are in the broad strokes. And it's like, okay, well, there's there's a certain amount of crossover these days, right? Mm-hmm. Beseech, Beseech incentivizes artifacts and enchantments. Beanstalk, that, uh, that is the backbone of all these control decks, is an enchantment. Urza Saga is an enchantment. All of these decks are somehow based around artifacts and enchantments and really powerful fast effects on the stack. You need to be able to like stop that either on the stack via more force effects or you need to have big blowout effects like force of vigor to, to stop the, the stuff that gets their engines going yeah just representing more of that as like your your hammers out of the board is really where the format's gonna have to shift as people look at like their own stuff like recognize the pillar that you're in because if you can just clearly identify the pillar that you're in if everybody is on that level then knowing how to either play around that pillar or go over the top of those things that they're gonna board in against the pillar that you're in that's where i think you can you can get some edge beyond just like let's turn our top 11 cards over yeah you know all right well yeah. uh that that does it for uh for this week we'll be on next week to see how phil does to to that end be, about being invigorated we also have the fenris cloud uh infect uh deck tech coming up really soon 
Uh, I'm working on that today, so hopefully that'll be up uh, within within the week. Got a couple of other really great deck techs coming up as well. Uh, Stress Stress Daddy's uh, putting one together for us. Dukes is putting one together for us. We have uh, a f- I think a three or four other ones in the works as well. So I- I'm I'm very excited about these deck techs, and uh, we've got a bunch of like cool shorts coming up, and uh, uh, that big long. If you've been answering our questions on uh, on the community part of the YouTube page about the most powerful cards each year, that is going going to eventually become a like long 30 minute like super highly edited uh film that we're doing sort of on the like ristic study style so uh yeah stick around for that stuff and uh you know like subscribe share comment all that stuff thanks everybody for showing up and uh we'll check in next week what up it's force fill up on the track yo there's a new queen in this game she go by the name Miracle trigger on the stack from casting it Just like time St. Catherine's happening Five, 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 fling, think I flashed it in Trying for the truth, we both voracious Oops, my B, I'm voracious Honestly, my deck's predacious My miracles are so salacious Get your heart in public, ostentatious 40k, that's Warhammer In the church, of course, a filled a clamor For his necklace, cause they're so enamored Cause it mashes like the Brits that's bangers I correctly cast predictor plan To kind of balance all your tricks you jammed Determinus, your void, your lands are stranded All for your face and then I'll snap a candid Presidium Protectiva that's St. Catherine's flavor feature Shuffle six cards right underneath her She's Ethereum, I'm Tez the Seeker I'm Botticelli, she's Primavera I'm Anae, she's Falibagera I'm Renoir, she's Grenoblera I'm Matisse, she's Bernal de Vivre I'm Goya, she's Tormachia I'm Van Gogh, she's Mona Lisa I'm Rembrandt, she's the Thandabera I'm Dukes on Twitch, she's the Pain Slayer Warhammer, those were art bars Like an artist, I draw cards Illustrator, I'm illustrious I'm a writer, here's a plot twist Miracle St. Catherine Like a javelin to the abdomen And the top She's a deadly sin, she'll string you out like a violin She's sticky like a goblin on the battlefield She's residing in, no denying it or defying it Time to resign the game and sign the slip She'll beat you down with a cape and shield She'll steal your life and then make you feel So sad and lonely and so defeated You'll beg for mercy, wish you'd concede it But you had your chance, that's in the past This game was over when it came to pass Your fate was sealed right from the start When a miracle this work of art Miracle St. Catherine By design she's so sublime Turning water into wine She overhauled the archetype. Haters try to deny the hype, but Triumph shrugs it off like she's tonight and you're Superman with your stupid plan. She'll make you resign like you're Vince McMahon. She'll make you tap with a sharpshooter. Best the worst, best there is. While you're a loser, rock bottom you. Straight through the basement, she'll stone cold stun you to your grave since she's MTG's new Undertaker. Tombstone you, that's a neck breaker. Triumph's the truth is an understatement. She's Charlotte Flair. It's second nature. She's Triple H. She's taking over. She's Dean Malenko with the four leaf clover. She's bold, weird, intimidator, and you're a coward who can't block her either. She's future sight. I'm you can call it Garrett, cause she's relentless. She'll break your teeth, send you to the dentist. You're a partisan, she's an independent. A triumph is a funeral, a procession so beautiful. A lingo's a little unusual, but I'll still outplay you inscrutable. Magic, the gathering, and our magic. St. Catherine, the red zones, a labyrinth for your creatures. Inadequate. Miracle St. Catherine, like a javelin to the abdomen and the tops of them. She's a deadly sin, she'll string you out like a violin. She's sticky like a goblin on the battlefield. She's residing in. No denying it or defying it Time to resign the game and sign the slip She'll beat you down with a cape and shield She'll steal your life and then make you feel So sad and lonely and so defeated You'll beg for mercy, wish you'd concede it But you had your chance, that's in the past This game was over when it came to pass Your fate was sealed right from the start When a miracle this work of art There's a new queen in this game She's a better name What it do?